0: the epitome of a of my sevenness (laughs) i was probably 19 i had uh graduated early high school just to get out as fast as i could um graduated on friday went to college on monday and that was a little overwhelming. Went to a college where the average age was 27. It was a city college. So that was kind of intense. And so then the next semester I didn't go, I was just gonna go be an entrepreneur, you know, 18 years old, be just be an entrepreneur. So that year I, well, actually that semester and the rest of that year, I ended up uh, taking all my W-2s for the jobs I had to the HR Block Lady. And she said, now you just need to bring your W-2s for the last year. And I said, yeah, these are the W-2s for the last year. And she said, well, there's 18 of them. And I was like, yeah, that's the jobs I had. She goes, you broke the record. I've never had that many W-2s in one year. (laughs) And that year I'd also been to three colleges and had three different cars and 18 different jobs. So that's like, I'm classic
1: seven. story enneagram podcast i'm jim gum and i'm an enneagram teacher and coach living in kansas city today we're going to consider what kip whom you heard in the opening said about the year he held 18 different jobs and broke the record for the highest number of w-2s that his tax person had ever seen enneagram type 7s are called the Adventurer or the enthusiast They lead with imagination and the possibilities of what could be. Their optimism and enthusiasm can be contagious in creating a brighter future. Have you ever met someone who could always find the silver lining? Today, we're going to listen to stories of Type 7s in conversation to understand both the way they look at the world and the limitations of that viewpoint. Listen to how Susan describes how she naturally sees things.
2: I like that I see life as fun and there's always a new adventure. And it's, um, there's, yeah, I I definitely don't want to be limited and I think that's exciting. So I'm going with it. I love being a seven.
1: (laughs) And what is it about that you think you see someone who limits themselves
2: Oh, yeah. I feel really sorry for that.
1: Yeah, so what's something in your life that you've said yes to that others weren't able to say yes?
2: Well, so this goes way back, but it reflects a seven in hindsight. When we were newly married, my husband's company was purchased, and there was a video that came home. It was in the days of VHS. I don't know if you know about that. But yeah. they said, <laughs> they said uh, now we're an international company and you can go anywhere. You know, there's potential or whatever. And I turned to Jan I was like, if they ever say, do you want to move anywhere? Just don't even call me. Just say yes. And the next day, they asked him if he wanted to go somewhere. <laughs> and we lived out of the country for five years. But it never dawned on me to ever even think that... That would not be something everyone would want to do, that opportunity. I mean, you wouldn't even have to discuss it. You would just go.
1: Listen to how Adam describes his thirst for adventure.
3: I remember when yeah. when
1: Google Earth was first invented,
3: <laughs> I don't know how many hours <laughs> I spent just exploring different places. Really? Yep. Just like, And sometimes, like, you just go get on like, Google Maps and just, like, put it on satellite mode and zoom in and just do street view and just search around. Like, there's always just, you know, cool places. So much to see and yeah. do. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. find a random corner of Asia that you've never been to yeah. or never thought about and just mm-hmm. drop a pen and
1: see what comes up. Adam loved the possibility of seeing what it would be like to stand on any street corner in the world and see what it was like. Susan let her husband know that he could take an international assignment without even checking with her. She said, you would just go. I can think of plenty of Enneagram types that would not be okay with their spouse announcing an overseas move without consulting them. Sevens are optimistic about the future. Things are going to get better. And they're going to work out fine. Listen to how Kip turns a phrase
0: around. Well, enthusiasm. I know uh, mm-hmm. I own a business and it's very helpful in many ways for me to have vision and where could we be going in yeah. our company. And, you know, especially for somebody who's maybe like a six, who's like, yeah, but, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah but we could, you know, instead of like, what if it's like, what if? And so we have, I have that conversation quite a bit, especially when times get tough or we're struggling or we have a client that's rough or I, I tend to look at the bright side, even, Mm -hmm. you know, even there's a great proverb that if you, if uh, wisdom is better than gold. So when we Missed something and we didn't get the gold It's like, oh, we got wisdom (laughs) So we still won And so I'm known as the office like We're still winning, (laughs) we got wisdom Even though we didn't make any money on that deal So, So We're always like, okay Bring in Kip, you know. Which
3: that reminds me, <laughs> the ability for us to rationalize anything oh, is just—we so are we're just phenomenal at yeah. it. Of like, we can convince ourselves of anything, and therefore can convince anybody else of mm-hmm. anything. Yes. So, like, even that of like, well, that was a failure, but man, did we learn a lot. Yeah. So that was definitely a success, but, right. was
1: it? Not really. Sevens are charter members of the positive outlook group. When they don't get what they want or things don't turn out quite like they planned. They don't lose heart or get downcast. They're quick to see the silver lining in every dark cloud. Here's how Susan describes her outlook.
2: You know, I remember doing the Enneagram several years ago, but it was a, a very simplified version yeah. and I was convinced I was a six. Uh-huh. And then I did the narrative with you and reading through it, I was like, oh, I'm not a six, I'm a seven, I wanna have fun. Yeah. And, um, and I've kind of stayed, all, I, I realized it more from the, I'll say, the positive side. I'm still trying to f- yeah. figure out how, what the challenges are. Like, I don't even see myself as having, like, avoiding pain mm-hmm. or anything. So I yeah. have some work to do, I guess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you so. you recognize this, I want to have fun.
2: Oh, and, and everything is positive. Like, when I'm around people, if there's a situation, and there's people just go like this. Yeah. Like, worst case scenario. And I'm like, how? I don't get that. Mm-hmm. I'm clear over here. Yeah. Like, yeah. best case scenario. Right.
1: There's no and need to go there. There's
2: no there's no need. Yeah. And I, I hate to say, but I, I kind of think that's good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too. Right. <laughs>
2: because you don't. Worrying about it or going there isn't going to help it, isn't going to change it. Right. So I struggle with those that want to go there all the time. Yeah. That's what I'm realizing mm-hmm. about myself
1: yeah. and that Very I need much. to work on. Susan can identify with girls who want to have fun in Cindy Lauper's lyrics. It's harder for her to understand why anyone would do all on the negative because it won't change anything. Maximizing fun was a huge motivator for Adam.
3: When I was in college, uh, I did all of my homework, between all my studying between like 3 a.m. and 7 a.m. and it was because that was the only time of every single day when no one was doing anything everybody was out late having fun and then they'd wake up and they'd go to class and I needed to go to class, but usually that's when I was sleeping because I was making up the time that I'd miss sleeping. Cause I was doing my homework in the middle of the night when everyone else was sleeping. And yeah. so, uh, it was, I didn't want to miss out on anything that was fun that was going on.
1: There's a flip side to always wanting to have fun. And it's found in the head center's core motion of fear for the Enneagram seven They're not constrained by the fear of what might go wrong, but the fear does show up. It's known as FOMO, the fear of missing out. Adam didn't want to miss out on any fun. Indeed, it's hard to understand, much less be around people that don't share the same rosy outlook. Here's Susan again.
2: Like in my business, I think because I'm wired to always see the positive, moving and buying and selling houses is stressful, but it's, it's an adventure. It's an adventure. Wouldn't you want? It? This is growth. Mm-hmm. I love it when people go, oh, it's really challenging. I'm like, but that's growth. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. That's yeah. good.
1: Susan's wired to see the positive, the possibility, the potential. There are many times when it's helpful to have that attitude. However, there's a catch for type seven as well. Sometimes another's loss or difficulty needs to be processed or grieved. To move on too quickly in that situation with a close friend may seem insensitive or uncaring. Listen to how Adam describes this dilemma. It's tough to
3: remember when uh, when I learned about the Enneagram and when I be- learned that I was a seven. I think that the, the humiliating moment for me was when I... Um, when I realized that everything that I do is motivated by avoiding painful things. Mm. Any, any uh, struggle or sadness or anything that's just difficult at all, I can figure out a way to, to circumvent that. And um, I think that was the, the moment I don't remember how long ago that was but that was the moment where I was like okay this is this is glaring this is something that I deal with that, mm-hmm. that or that I should deal with that's mm-hmm. that's the kind of underlying um, part of who I am
1: I remembered listening to Adam share a story about the discomfort he felt when someone answered the simple question, how are you? When their friend shared a hardship instead of a pleasantry, his impulse was to figure out how to get out or redirect the conversation. Sevens tend to be mostly happy, but this situation can make them feel anxious. This was one of the main ways that Adam realized he was a type seven, the fear of unpleasantness or pain. Here's how Kip described his experience.
0: I think someone told me that I was a seven <laughs> and then I looked it up. And I probably, when it got to has uh, a fear of being bored, I was like, okay, that's me. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. that, that was it? That was it. It was, the, it was showing a negative, like, yeah, I would say that was probably my greatest fear in life is I may be trapped and bored. This is, oh. that's not gonna work for me.
1: I love the Pixar movie, Inside Out, which is the story of the little girl Riley and her family as she navigates a move from the Northern US to the Bay Area. We see Riley's external family drama as well as the internal emotional drama that plays out in her head. The emotions of joy, sadness, disgust, fear, and anger are all vying to help Riley navigate her troubles. There's a comment made by Joy in reference to sadness. Joy says, this is sadness. I don't really know what her role is. It's just harder for Enneagram type sevens to work with, appreciate, or be with sadness. Here's how I'd compare the emotional landscapes of types four and type seven. The fours can experience the full range of emotion, the highs and the lows. The sevens prefer to stay on the sunny side of the street. But that mindset will never stop the shadows from coming. The Moral of the three little pigs is not whether the big bad wolf is going to come. It's about preparation and construction materials. At some point in everyone's life, the big bad wolf does come. The path to growth for type seven like all other types is most often through the pain or the difficulty and not around it. Here's Adam and Susan again.
2: I, I think the hardest part for me is I don't really, um, I don't wanna be around negativity or um, heartache or mm-hmm. I, I'm uncomfortable there. Yeah. I don't know. I don't feel like I'm compassionate. I don't feel like I can mm. empathize, and so I I feel bad. But it's just not me. So I struggle with that.
3: The inability to be present in those mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. moments that are not just purely <laughs> happy is, is where um, I'm my mind immediately is thinking of how to get around that and how to all right how do we work past this sadness right. so we can get back to right. being okay and um, Being so future-oriented and thinking, um, you know, two steps ahead all the time doesn't allow me to be present in a moment where um, meaningful things are happening, even though they might not be super enjoyable in the moment. um, Just being in the moment is something that's just, I really struggle to have the the ability to do that.
1: Adam says it so well, positivity to the future and wanting to avoid sadness has a cost. It's not being present in the moment when the meaningful things are happening. I recently heard a Rob Bell podcast with Elizabeth Gilbert. He presented this scenario. Imagine that there are two whiteboards on the wall. One is filled with all the things that have gone right in your life, your joys and your successes. The other is filled with the disappointments, the losses and the failures. He asks, Which one offered the most opportunity for emotional and spiritual growth? It's obvious, isn't it? It's the hard stuff that shapes us and helps us to grow. That's just the way life works. When an Enneagram 7 realizes that they can be with both the joy and the sadness, when they know that the pain is often fleeting and will not kill them, when they're able to stay with it, They can really begin to grow and mature. Type 7s can experience something much more satisfying than any temporary happiness. It's called joy. Thanks for listening to the Story Enneagram podcast today. If you or someone you know is a seven and would like to explore your relationship with the fear of missing out and lasting satisfaction, you've come to the right place. Wouldn't it be great to be okay when you're not okay? Visit my website at storyenneagram.com. I offer solutions for the workplace and training sessions for businesses, schools, and nonprofits. I also offer personal coaching packages for individuals or couples. Drop me a line and let's explore what the Enneagram can do for you. Please subscribe to the Story Enneagram podcast. Share it with your friends and family. And if you're really feeling it, leave a rating in Apple Podcasts. I'd appreciate it. Our music is by Daniel Gum. You can hear his music on Spotify or wherever you get your music. And yes, we do have the same last name. That's it for this episode of the Story Enneagram podcast. Story Enneagram, where learning your type is just the beginning of a whole new story.